Blay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Canis in the building. Yeah. Alright, already the show goes on all night. Till uh. the morning we dream so long. Do anybody ever wonder when they would see the thunder? Just remember when you come up. What's up, party people? How we doing out there? Vlog Talk Radio, and uh, we are the Matchup Zone. Kevin Owens, John Hunt, coming to you live today, talking a little bit of uh, overseas basketball. We have a really cool, uh, cool setup today. Uh, my agent, who is a European basketball agent, and was my agent during my time uh, playing basketball. Will be on the show today. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to ask him some questions, talk to him a little bit about just the overseas basketball market, what is going on now, and then reminisce a little bit about my shitty career. Uh, John, what's up, man? How are we doing? We're doing good, man. We got we got some uh, some new tech we're trying out. Uh, a lot of a lot of discussion between you and I this week about the the future of the matchup zone. Um, it was interesting. You gave me some stats uh, yeah. on uh, some of some of the the analytics that are out there. Uh, you want to hit that for us, Kev? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, talking about like sports and basketball podcasts and things like that. Um, we actually were ranked uh, in 150th, which there. sounds pretty uh, pretty nonsensical to most of you who are like 150th, like in the country. Cool. Like you guys but suck. Yeah. yeah he's like, oh wow. <laughs> Like, J.J. Reddick's like, oh, cool, dude. If I woke up with 150 ranking, I got to watch out for that, that guy, Kevin Owens, and his his podcast. <laughs> exactly. I'd be like, oh, my God, he's the worst. So we had uh, we jumped up to 150, which is a pretty cool thing uh, for us because we're a growing podcast, and we weren't even close to the top 200. Uh, and now we're suddenly in the top, you know, 200. We're like 150. Uh, so I think that's a pretty cool stat to kind of drop because um, it shows that we're growing. It shows that people actually are listening and interested. So it's um, pretty cool. So and I'm you, pretty excited. You also mentioned we got the next couple guests already lined up. People are coming yeah, it's to us crazy. and saying, hey, let me jump on that show. Let me get my name out there. That's That, that was awesome. That's plus, cool. Plus we're also, you know, possibly bringing on some new staff. Yeah, to, we uh, got social media expert because listen we don't i don't know what in the world so like I, i'm terrible at my own social media account and like you know when i'm trying to update things and be you know a social media guy i don't know what i'm doing so i'm just sitting there like this is terrible so my social media account uh with the actual show is like beyond bad and i was like we need someone in here who's going to actually drum up interest and get new listeners so we hired a uh, social media expert yeah man she's going to take take care of some stuff she's a little younger than us though yeah, she's gonna have to uh, school us a little bit on what we she need to will. be doing <laughs> in that. And uh, by hire, I mean uh, come on and work for free. Because I like uh, it. Well, well, listen, man. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes that's where you start. I that's like where it. you make the name. The word hire is uh, thrown around pretty uh, loosely there. You know, plus uh, you and I are talking about possibly getting back out on live locations. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, kind of getting you know some uh, go to a brewery. Something I, like that. I keep the, the one that keeps coming to mind, man, is Flying Fish. I don't know if anyone out there has ever been to Flying Fish in Somerdale. It's kind of in an industri industrial park. they got a big lawn. And every time I drive by there, 
they uh, and there's people out there, and it can be socially distanced. No one has to be, feel weird about it. We're talking about projecting, like yeah. you know, uh, so everyone can actually see and see who we actually have on. So uh, yeah, I think I think we we got some we got some big business plans this week, Kev. We'll be rocking and rolling. And the cool thing, uh, by the way, the uh, when we talk about Summerdale, we mean New Jersey. We have a really large, apparently international audience following us. So they're like, "What's Summerdale? Summerdale, New Somersault? Jersey." What? You somersault? <laughs> no, Summerdale, New Jersey, which yeah. is in America. Uh, so, yeah, we have that coming up. So that should be fun. But I'm super pumped to hear. I, I know you've talked to me in the past about your, your, uh, your agent, Michael Siegel. Yep. And uh, this is kind of something we've talked about in a, for a while about bringing uh, an agent on because we always talk about some of the, the other people who have been on the show and what they're dealing with, with their contracts and all that stuff and how it's different, so much different than the NBA. Yeah. Uh, so Michael's ready. Are you ready, Kevin? Let's do it. All right. Let's see if we can get Michael in here. You know, always take some time to jump in here. But, uh, you know, uh, here he comes. And let's see. We're connected. There he, there is. he is. How you doing, Michael? What's up, Mike? Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I haven't seen you Mike. in a while. It's great to see you, man. Good to see you too. That's a hell of a beard you're working on. It's really, it really is. It, uh, you know, I always think about like when I played, I was like, it'd probably been a lot more intimidating if I had a big beard like this, but you know, puberty came late. So, you know, <laughs> my beard didn't really develop until I retired. <laughs> well, last time I saw you, you, uh, you did have the beard. It was looking quite healthy, but I imagine the pandemic has just helped it flourish. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's really taking off right now. The, the, the one thing that I have to monitor now, the grays that are, sli you know, sneaking in there. So I'm just trying to, you know, comb those back underneath everything and add a lot of, you know, product to make sure it's not getting too, uh, too out of hand. Yeah, there's uh, products for that. And if yeah. you can't Oh, I got them one. all. Amazon, uh, the, my Amazon card is filled with beard supplies. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. Well, I'm rocking a bit of scruff today myself. I like it. During the pandemic, I've been shaving on an average of every, maybe once every one to two weeks. <laughs> it looks good, though. So you could pull that off. You got like the good, you know, the good facial structure to pull that. I, I, my beard has to be big to hide my facial structure. <laughs> well, thank you. Very flattering. Well, Mike, I'm psyched to have you on here today uh, just to talk about, you know, we, we talk a lot of overseas basketball and to talk about, you know, the other side, which is something that a lot of people don't really know much about, which is the more business side of overseas professional basketball and yeah. kind of what goes on with that. So the first thing, uh, just in terms of this market with the pandemic and, uh, you know, I just was reading an article about Germany how everything's really cases are spiking in Europe right now. How hard has it been to kind of get your clients uh, overseas right now during this whole pandemic? So the objective answer to that is it's been very difficult. The subjective answer is that I've been pleasantly surprised with how many of my clients have been able to place overseas during what seems to be the most challenging signing period ever. So I think objectively speaking, it's been difficult as a result of safety and health. And then of course, teams not having the wherewithal due to financial losses to do the normal signings they would normally be prepared to do. Uh, from a subjective standard, I just plowed forward as I always do, um, obviously with sensitivity toward what everyone was going through, but trying to keep tabs on what FIBA was doing, what 
individual federations were doing, what individual teams were doing, and just using all of that information to have informed conversations with coaches, managers, and agents abroad to find out where the opportunities were. And um, that combined with having a handful of guys who are valued over there. And so deals came through and um, they're all over there now experiencing different things. One guy just got out of quarantine in Japan. Um, one guy just started playing in Korea after quarantining for a while. Uh, one is in France who just had his last game canceled due to COVID cases on the opposing team. And one other player just started his preseason cup games in Germany um, with no reported problems. So it's kind of different everywhere. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, the quarantine has to be tough. I mean, we looked at what the NBA did with the bubble and how successful that was, but that's not happening, you know, in a lot of these places. It's just kind of what the NFL is doing, jumping back into it. So uh, it's crazy to hear that, you know, what do you do? How do you communicate? I know because here's what I will say, like our relationship, you're like almost like a dad to all of us. Like you have, that's what agents I feel like uh, become, especially good agents. Like you become like a father, like you're kind of like, uh, I know many times I'd be like, Mike, what do I, what do I do? Help. Like, uh, please, some, something bad happened. And you're kind of like reach out to you because you're the guy who's going to be able to fix it. So you become like that father figure. What have you, what advice have you given to guys who might've said, listen, I have to quarantine, you know, is my job in jeopardy? How do you handle that stress and panic of your players during this time? Um, you're right. Uh, the, the position in which an agent sits in a player's life is um it's very important of course it really comes down to the individuals right i mean some players are very needy some are very standoffish and independent some agents are all about um looking at the players a quick way to make a dollar and others are all about formulating a very uh, trusting relationship based on advocacy so obviously I fall into the latter category, or at least that's where I've tried to put myself over the better part of the past 30 years. Um, right now, the quarantining aspect of this is pretty much a no brainer. That's not anything anyone really needs to talk about. That's one of the first things that's laid out at the onset of a negotiation. Hey, when you get here, you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. And quite frankly, if that hadn't been protocol for the team, I would have advised players to do that just because of everything we've learned since March. So that's pretty standard. Everybody mentally prepares themselves to do that. And I think the mental preparation really begins with, okay, I have a contract at a time when players are struggling to find contracts. This is great. Um, okay, I need to get on a plane and fly a great distance. A lot of people in this country are talking about how risky it is to jump on a flight from Philly to Chicago for two hours. We're talking about seven to 10 hour international flights. Um, and then quarantining there, but what happens when you're out of quarantine and you start practicing and playing and getting out into the community. I think that the players I've sent over there feel good about the fact that other countries have done a better job with the pandemic than we have, and that's something I've talked about with my clients and the clients with families. Uh, I've talked with them about how we navigate how to handle the family. Do they stay back here? Do they come over and visit? Do they come over and live? Um, 
So it's really just about addressing the obvious questions that this pandemic has raised with all of us over the past eight months and just talking them through. And I think the biggest mistake some agents make is they put themselves in this they put themselves in this category of someone who has to be omniscient, right? Mm -hmm. Like agents don't have all the answers and players are smart enough to understand that. And I think that um, if an agent just puts forth as much information as he can reliably state, and then just gets into another category of information where it's like, I think we need to talk about this, but I don't have any real solutions for you. So let's come up with those solutions together. And I think that's, the best way to approach these things as opposed to pretending you have all the answers and sending your client down a rabbit hole that is uninformed. So uh, going, jumping off of that, I think the one thing uh, agents, I mean, you're, you, you play many roles. You obviously are a lawyer, you're a, a business negotiator, you're a contract negotiator, you're a father figure. And you also have to, you know, play this role of, you know, the, the diplomat when it comes to how to handle some of these teams because i know you know experiences of guys that i've talked to my own experiences there's been guys who you know haven't always had a good shake in some of these places but you have to remain diplomatic in terms of you can't just be like whatever dude like i'm never sending you another client again i mean unless you do do that but how do you keep that diplomatic way about you uh when some of these teams are kind of like messing with your guys so I, I, I am the guy that does that. I actually have, I have a list of teams that have wronged me or my players so poorly in the past that I will not deal with them again. Nice. Fortunately, it's not a long list. Uh -huh. and, and at some point you have to decide what you are and are not willing to deal with. I mean, there are some indiscretions that teams have committed that I've had to write off as just poor business practice, but not something that keeps you from going back there, especially with the turnover of coaches and managers in the European marketplace. Um, those often change from time to time. And if you have new ownership or new management in the team, that obviously clears the path for better dealings than what you may have had in the past. Uh, as long as someone is still at the helm who's done something egregious, I won't deal with them again. I think that the American agent is, and for those listening who don't understand, American players who go overseas are represented by their American agent who is likely their worldwide exclusive representative. And then to facilitate the process of getting a job abroad, that American agent usually works with foreign agents in different countries to facilitate such things as language barriers, um, daily access to the player and the team because they're on the ground 24 seven, whereas the American agent is not, et cetera. And so the biggest challenge I find is that the European agents are the ones who are compromised because they want to serve the American agent and player and do the deal and collect a fee and continue that relationship for future business. Like you but... <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Who was that? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we got a heckler on the line. Um, <laughs> and then the, the agent who's trying to do that also wants to carry good favor with the team. Yeah. And so they're not going to be too harsh with the team so that they can continue to do business with that team for other players and other agents. Okay. And so 
for the American agent who really wants to put his feet firmly in the ground and represent his client properly, sometimes you find yourselves not only at odds with the team, but also the person who you entrusted to broker that relationship with the team. And likewise, I have a short list of foreign agents who I will never deal with again because of things they've done to hurt me or my client. And so you really have to stay true to yourself and your client and understand that sometimes things will get messy. And that's when you have to really look at who you are and what you stand for and tell your client, you know, what you're thinking of doing and always give your client the opportunity to weigh in. Um, And then sometimes your client will weigh in with something that they want to do. And you have to tell them that you're not sure it's possible. You and I Mm -hmm. had a situation like that. So um, it's not always smooth. And um, I think the agents who tend to come out on top are the ones who are just honest. Even if what you're delivering is bad news, just be honest. Yeah, I do. I do think that's a that's a great thing. I mean, we've had. I mean, looking at my career. Uh, well, first off, is Hyundai Mobis Vivas on that list from Korea, or did they make that the the poop list? Because that's uh, you know one of my bugaboos from when I was in Korea, and you know hurt my knee and. You know, they just kind of were like, you have to run for 24 hours straight. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, and they just kind of set me off. I so, remember uh, that. Yeah. I remember that. And um, so Mobis is on that list. The people who were involved with Mobis at the time that we ran into that problem are all gone. The coaches, nice. the owners, the managers. So it's completely under new um, ownership and management as to when you were there. Yeah. Um, which obviously makes it more fertile ground for business, but I have not gone back. Nice. I almost feel like that's, you know, loyalty. I'm like, my heart's kind of swoons a little bit for that, Mike. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, it makes me feel good that, uh, that that kind of went down. But I do like the, uh, there's so much, that I, I don't think people really realize all the moving parts that go into overseas basketball. Uh, I know we talk, I talk to a lot of guys who play who are like, you know, I can play, you know, they hear everyone saying I can play overseas basketball. I can play overseas basketball. And what a struggle it is to get in. I mean, even thinking about how my career started, uh, I talk about it a lot. My brother, you know, it's probably the same way that I have uh, this, the relationship with you is Jeff was, you know, a very solid player and was able to kind of excel and then I kind of rode his coattails like I'm not I'm not one to to deny it I kind of rode his coattails and I feel like that was the reason I got the relationship with you uh because I was able to use Jeff as kind of a springboard uh to kind of go I mean is that uh do you ever get a client who you're just kind of like I mean I don't you don't have to tell me if I was a charity case but do you ever get a client where you're like "Eh, you know uh, I don't really see much coming out of this or how do you kind of tell that person, honestly, like, listen, there's not really a market for you. So this is a very relationship driven and perception driven business. So I can't speak for other agents, but for myself, I've always wanted to be involved with people that I have a relationship with because when there's a mutual connection, it just makes things easier from the start. And I have also recruited character as much as I've recruited talent, because when you're recruiting and representing knuckleheads, life is miserable. And, you know, when you're young and dumb and getting started in this business, you obviously look at the draft boards and try and go after the top names, regardless of how you can get to them. 
But over time, you realize it's better to deal with relationships and it's better to deal with high character individuals who have high character people surrounding them. Um, so that's how I recruit. And then sometimes you will have somebody who comes to you and says, hey, listen, I'd like you to help me with somebody. And if that person looks like you can help them, it's worthy of your time and theirs to get together, then I will take that on. And if it looks like something that's too labor intensive or doesn't really have a light at the end of the tunnel, I will very honestly tell them, I can't, I don't know that I can make anything happen. Because what people fail to realize is that there are so many more players vying for these jobs than there are jobs. Financially, the market overseas has never recovered fully from the global economic crisis of 2008 and beyond. And now we're in a pandemic, which has only heightened those losses. So players think that it's so easy to just go get a job in some dark corner of the world. And they'll say that, oh, just give me a job for a thousand a month in some country I never heard of. Mm -hmm. Those jobs are tough to get. And what players have to understand is that for an agent who has existing clients and is running a business and needs to make decisions on how to allocate your time, sometimes you just have to be really blunt and honest and say, listen, I don't think I'm the right person to do this because of what it's going to take. In which case, I will try to find a younger agent with less clients and more time in his hands who might be a good fit. Um, but sometimes it, it doesn't work out. And you, again, it all comes back to honesty. You know, the worst thing you can do is tell a guy like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll help you. And then you just forget them. And they think you're doing something for them and you're doing nothing and they're floundering. That's terrible. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's really good because you talk about the personal relationship. Um, and uh, how has that been affected? Because I know we had many, many face-to-face -face meetings. We would sit down. Uh, we would talk face-to-face. -face. You would come see me in the, in the D League or now the G League. Uh, you know, we had many face-to-face -face interactions, so I felt like that was always reassuring. But now in this pandemic, I mean, are you are you zooming in with guys, or how how is it is it easier to kind of have those face-to-face, -face, especially with the new technology, to talk to guys overseas, uh, or do you think it hinders anything if you don't have that face-to-face -face because you can't you know be right there in the room with that guy? So with my existing clients, it doesn't feel like all that much has changed. Um, I think things will start to feel very different between now and the spring because that's when the normal basketball season happens and that's when during the normal basketball season I am traveling to watch workouts and practices and games and so that interaction will not exist but the the clientele I have is small enough and manageable enough and I'm close enough in my relations with them that we all understand what's going on. And the amount of time I've invested in spending time with them and their families in the past proves who I am to them and the quality of our relationship and the, and the legitimacy and honesty of it. And now that we're on this same pandemic boat, nobody's really expecting anyone to do anything. In fact, clients are kind of saying, if you ever thought of coming and seeing me, don't. <laughs> you know, they want, they want people to stay away. And I'm living a very conservative life in that regard as well. I think the bigger challenge has been with regard to recruiting new clients because when you're trying to establish trust and familiarity with a player and his family who's in college, um, you want to get out to his practices and games and just establish that face time and that comfort. And that's obviously not possible. Um, when the pandemic was declared in March, I was booked to go to anywhere from probably three to five conference tournaments, have you know, start scheduling final meetings with players and families. There were probably five or six of them that I narrowed my final list down to. 
And um, all that was obviously canceled. And I wound up having to do everything via Zoom, which actually was quite effective. Uh, my, my staff and I put together really cool presentations and scheduled meetings and walked everybody through everything they needed to know. And it was comfortable because it was just following up via Zoom various personal conference, uh, meetings that had already taken place during the pre prior year. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, hey, let's do this Zoom for you to meet me. They already knew me. This yeah. was a way to wrap it up in the most responsible way possible. Um, and so moving forward, I think that it's going to be tougher while this pandemic continues because, you know, the meetings I have in the spring, those wrap-up meetings, they're going to be with some players that I haven't spent that much time in person with because this whole season is going to be non-personal contact. We quite frankly don't even know what this college season is going to look like other than yeah. they've set a start date of November 25th. That's the, I mean, that's the crazy thing. I mean, I know I coach high school basketball and we have a start date, but I, I just, I don't see those, those, the season. It's not going to look obviously like other seasons. Uh, so it's going to be tough. I always, I think about the guys who uh, last year, I guess they had enough body of work to kind of get them to the next level or uh, be able to get those jobs. But the guys this year, if there's, if stuff goes down and the season's canceled, like how do you even how do you even tell how do you know are you just taking a chance with you know clients not really seeing sight unseen really just seeing them in workouts because that's not really a best way to to tell what kind of you know player they are it's hard um this nba draft is november 18th and teams are going to be drafting players that they haven't seen live since before march 12th um anything that a team has done with a player since March till now has been via Zoom interviews. And only recently was it expanded to allow teams to watch pre-recorded workouts. There's no combine, there's no individual workouts live, there's none of that. So it's truly a player's body of work that a team will have to make decisions on. And as you know, watching a player's game film in college is one thing. It's another to evaluate him at a combine or in an individual workout where you can tailor the competition that they're going to go up against. Right. I mean, obviously it's a little easier to make that decision on the guy who's killing it every night in the SEC or the ACC because everyone there is good. Yeah. But if you have say this outlier pro talent in a conference like, you know, the A-10 or the MEAC or the Patriot League, well then, you know, you want to see him against other guys on a frequent basis to see how he stacks up. That's where teams are going to be really challenged. And for the one guy that I advised all the way through this draft, um, he had to withdraw back in August, but I took him all the way from March to that point in August. And um, that was the big question. It was like, listen, you either stay in this draft and you risk the fact that there may not be any kind of season on the pro side, because back in the summer, we weren't really sure what things were going to look like because the bubble hadn't finished. We didn't know if it was going to finish successfully or unsuccessfully. And for a lot of these college guys who leave, who leave school early, they usually wind up under Exhibit 10 or two-way contracts in the G League, and there's been no talk of a G League season. That's crazy. So I said, you know, if you leave school and stay in the draft – there's no certainty as to what you will be doing and where you'll be doing it next year. On the other hand, if you choose to return to school for your final year, there's no guarantee you're going to be playing a final year of college basketball. 
And I told him, I said, you need to make a decision for yourself and your family based on what's most comfortable for you as if basketball doesn't exist. Like you have to make a decision that you can live with irrespective of basketball because basketball is the wavering factor here. And he chose to go back to school. That's it's, I mean, the, I, it's something you don't think about. Even I haven't thought about the, the guy who's the cusp NBA player and, you know, that, that decision-making. I always say that, you know, college recruiting is tough because you're 17 years old and you're making a decision that could completely affect every aspect of your, of your life, where you go to school, who you marry, who you, uh, will you get in the NBA, will you not? It's a crazy thing to, to have that decision at such, such a young age. And then on top of that, you know, a guy who might be 19, 20, having to make a decision of, should I leave college? Should I go play professionally? Especially in this pandemic, it's something I haven't even like fathomed. And you just brought that up. It's, it's like blowing my mind right now that the decisions that these young kids have to make about their entire future that can completely alter the butterfly effect of their lives uh, is, is, is fascinating to, I mean, not, it sucks, <laughs> it's not, but like, it no, sucks it's, it's for really these challenging. It's really challenging. And that's why I told guys, I said, look, you need to think about this from a bigger perspective than just basketball, because basketball is really uncertain. There may or may not be a season in whichever direction you choose to go. So look at the other aspects of your life and see what's important and where you really would want to find yourself if basketball didn't exist. We're talking with uh, Michael Siegel, Siegel Sports and Entertainment uh, Agency, uh, kind of going over some of the overseas things. Uh, Mike, you, you hit on this earlier, and I, I just want to – and I, I'm, like, very – you know, like we said, the dad relationship. Like, I didn't want to, like, tug on dad's coattails all the time and be like, dad, hey, hey, like, what's going on? Do you have anything? And it's like – so I, I felt like I wasn't needy. Or was I? Like, I don't know what the definition of needy oh, is when you're a player. Like, was I a needy player? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and I, I, I have to Ooh. give both of us credit for that. <laughs> because, um, you know, when you meet players and families, you obviously don't know at the onset of that relationship what it's going to look like one month, one year, five years down the road. But in the research that I as an agent do, like I said before, um, it's really important to understand who you're recruiting and what they're about beyond the court. Because when you have unstable personalities or people who are stable but have a series of unstable personalities surrounding them, constantly feeding them unstable, irresponsible advice, all it really winds up doing is making it harder for the player and the agent to have a trusting, stable, smooth, and operating relationship. So, you know, using you again as the example, you were an easy decision because I had already had the experience of representing your brother and getting to know your family. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of a no-brainer. Uh, and that's why most of the relationships I seek now before I start recruiting someone are based on information that I've been given by people who I trust who say, you know, this guy's not going to waste your time. Um, and I think that's really, really important. I mean, most agents would laugh at me if they heard me say this because they, they might think I'm not telling the truth, but I can tell you that I'm unequivocally clear on this fact. I'd rather represent a late second round pick who's a sweetheart of a guy than a late first round pick who is a knucklehead. 
And that's just a fact. I've been around long enough to know that saying that makes a lot of sense for me and my business model. You know, other people may feel differently, but you have to know who you are, right? Like it's that way in everything in life. You have yeah. to know who you are and you have to know how you operate and what works best for you. And that's, that's what I think matters most. I love that. Uh, and this is why it's so fun to kind of talk to you because, you know, just sitting down, I feel like, you know, I, I, you forget like all the, the shit and microphones and all this is over is on because, you know, just hearing you talk, it's like that is that personal touch. Um, and I think that's what most athletes need to look for in an agent. Um, that personal touch that you give um, is, is, was, was really a stabilizing thing for me uh, during my career to kind of know that you always had my best interest in mind. Um, that if there was a job that was going to be shitty, it was going to be in a bad situation. You, you it was funny because I remember you, we talked about Syria and you were like, listen, like it, it was when I was waiting for a while when you like called me and you're like, listen, I didn't want to bring this up, but just wanted to throw it out there. This team in Syria. And I was like, you know, what? I was so, I was like, F it. Like, let's go. Like I'm all right, let's go. And then it just kind of like, we, we looked at it and we're like, all right, this is not good. But I just think that was a, a huge thing because you always had your client's best interest in mind. I think there's agencies that don't have that, uh, which is why it was so refreshing to have you as an agent to be like, listen, like, I'm going to put you on the path. Like, you know, same thing. Your job is your job. You got to work your ass off and you got to make it. But I'm going to put you out there for jobs that I think you can handle. And, and that was uh, reassuring and refreshing as a player to have an agent that I wasn't, I knew wasn't like screwing around or being like, oh, I'm putting three of my guys up for the same job. And then let's just see what, see what they come out back with. I think it was cool that you like actually had my best interest in mind. So that was a really cool thing. And, uh, you know, running, running low on time. I know final question. Uh, did I, was I, was I, what's the word I'm looking for? I almost want to say like, I didn't suck, but like, you know, did I live up to your uh, definition of a good professional basketball player? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My, my, my greatest, um, I, I think the, the thing that I feel like we uh, didn't quite succeed on was um, knowing that some of the opportunities that your brother got, I thought you were equally deserving in terms of the NBA. Yeah. Um, I thought you were equally deserving. And whereas he got, um, I just would have liked to see you get as many sort of, uh, you know, training camp and, and uh, summer league looks as he got, because I thought you were worthy of that, given your size and your skill and the fact that you were really learning from a great coach in Kent Davison. Yes, I agree. I, I thought that was, I mean, uh, I, t I wrote about the, uh, the Sixers workouts and like things like that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause I, we always talk about how close you are, but how far away you are. And uh, you know, those guys who are at the end of an NBA bench are very interchangeable with guys who are, you know, playing in Europe and stuff. And it's, it's just, you know, the, the might be the timing might be where you went to school and things like that. So I'm, I do appreciate this uh, you coming on and, and talking because this has been uh it's been cool just to catch up with you and, and kind of talk overseas basketball because there's things that I just learned from you saying today that I no idea, which I think our listeners are going to be blown away with as well. So this has been awesome, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'll leave you with a final interesting anecdote that relates to your final point. And this comes straight to me from an NBA executive years ago. 
you hear a lot of interesting things over the years. And a high-ranking NBA executive once told me in a conversation about the makeup of teams. And this is why the point we just made is relevant and why anyone listening who's trying to make it should never give up. Once you start getting past like the, the top half of an NBA bench, you stop paying attention to where they were drafted, where they went to school, and then it could just be anybody, right? Because this person said, if you take every NBA team's roster and put it in a big bag and shake it up and randomly, let me, let me restate that. If you take the second half of every NBA team's roster, right? Say like eight through 15. Yeah. And you put it in a bag and you shake it up and you randomly redistribute those players among teams. Nobody's record is going to change that much. That's awesome. And I thought that was just a great example of what we were just talking about. You know, it's crazy. I love that. That's a, it is great. And I feel like that's, it's very true. Um, you have your superstars, but then those guys, those role players, you got a guy to fill a role. And that's what KD always told me, you know, don't worry about going out and trying to score a thousand points. Like in this game, just go and rebound every single ball that comes your way and be the top rebounder in the league and do that. And that's what really got me like I'm rebounding everything. And that's what I thought was like, okay, that's, I think that's what got me Australia, all these different places, just my, you know, my ability to rebound. And I was taught that from a great coach and put there by a great man, Michael Siegel. We had some fun. It was a good time. It was awesome. <laughs> well, I really appreciate uh, everything you've done for me, Mike. Uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on and we'll have to catch up and, you know, shoot the shit soon. Look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. Take care, gentlemen. Have a great day. You, you well. too. So Michael Siegel, Siegel Sports and Entertainment, uh, joining us today, my agent playing. That was fun, John. Yeah, man, uh, you know, you got the experience. Like I said, I'm more the layman listener, and I listen from that from that side of things, you know. And to hear him kind of almost clarify some things, he was he, a couple times he stopped himself. Let me he, let me clarify this for everyone out there, like yeah. John Hunt, who doesn't know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, then I'm starting to think about, um, you know, some of the other guys that we've had on and some of their stories. And I'm like, yeah, it, it, to hear it from that, uh, I think the title of, of today's uh, episode is like hearing it from the other side, I think you wrote. I was yeah, like, flipping yeah, this, this was this was flipping the script. Yes, uh, I thought I just thought that was a really interesting. Like, it really helped, uh, really piece some things together for me in the, in this grand scheme of things as I learned about overseas basketball. I thought this was one of the, uh, and I was, I was I was going through. I was like, I thought about this last week. I was like, once Mike comes on, I think that's going to be a great show because you know his 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 mindset and how he sees this as a business side of things. He doesn't look at it as a player side, like work hard, do the, he's looking at at it as a business side. So it's really cool to see the other side and see what goes on in an agent's mind and what he's looking for in a player. So that was like super dope. Plus a lot, there's a lot of misinformation out there, man. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Like, like, I don't know, like when you think about agents, what do you think about? Yeah. Like that slimy kind of guy. What was the movie with Tom Cruise, right? Oh Jeremy, yeah, Jerry Maguire. You know, yeah. and that, that was like a heartfelt movie. But yeah, you do think that's slime. Like, what actually goes on between an agent? And, and to be honest, like I was really surprised at his demeanor. Like he was like, you know what? If the if the if uh, if my clients aren't 
um, treated with respect, then that team or that organization goes on a list. And I was like, wow, good for you, man. You know, like to yeah. make a stand and to only want the best for your guys. I love and, it. And like, and, you know, Mike, Mike is the real life Jerry Maguire. I think it's yeah. like cool. He, he thought of that, that whole mantra that Jerry Maguire said, like more, more uh, like emotional time and less clients, like less, like more one-on-one. And that was cool. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Owens, can we, can yeah. we get, I know we uh, we did a podcast, I don't know what, last week or whatever, but can, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. can we get a little bit of a, of a book update? Book update. You got it. Wow. Awesome. Uh, so crazy thing. Uh, this is what sucks, too. As I get off an interview with my agent who, like, you know, kind of had that fatherly figure to me to be like, did I do good, Dad? Uh, I thought it was it was uh, interesting because I felt like on a high, but then you kind of have to crash down to the lows. Uh, so we shopped at the Triumph, which is the biggest name in uh, you know publishing. They wrote back. They said, you know, we we want we we appreciate this. We you have something good here. We just won't be able to sell it because I'm just don't have a big enough platform. Is what they said. They said, you know, you don't have this big enough audience you don't have enough uh people who follow you on social media you don't have enough big enough presence to kind of really sell this nationwide now triumph either it's uh their 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 brand name huge authors doing uh books on huge athletes or it's huge athletes doing books on on themselves there's not really that many books uh, of like little guys trying to you know piece it together so i am the little guy even uh so it's kind of tough to get in there there are a lot of other ones but they declined and they that's what their feedback was so now, it was cool to get that feedback then? you know what's the next so step we, we go on to the next publisher here yeah we moved on and and blasted it out to a few publishers um we're not going like you know we wanted to go with triumph first because triumph was the biggest and the best so that was pretty cool um then we jumped over to uh, the other side, then we're now we're jumping over to other publications who, you know, focus more on memoirs and things like that. And, uh, you know, pretty big co- publishing company. So we're hoping that they'll be able to kind of hop on and be like, yeah, we'll take a chance. It's like tough it. because I tell, my, you know, my, my, you know, the guy who's helped me, Don Povia and Don and I talk and I was like, it sucks because in order to be famous i have to get this book out there and in order to get the book out there i have to be fucking famous so i'm like oh this is just terrific like it's just a you know crazy paradox that we're that i'm living in uh but you know one down keep fighting i think that's the one thing about me i never was really like got too down the highs weren't too high the lows weren't too low so just bounce back it sucked for probably an hour or so and then i was like all right move on let's go the next publisher Well, I look forward to hearing more about it, brother. Uh, you know, we're all hoping for you. If uh, there wasn't another guy who deserved it, that's you, brother. Yeah, so I'm hoping were... so. I'm hoping <laughs> so, John. Well, listen so, up, my friends. We're going to yes. we have some big plans as we move through the future. We're going to keep the podcast going. Um, like I said, Mr. Owens, we, we got some, uh, some big names coming up. So we want everyone to stay tuned. Keep listening. Play, make sure you, uh, you comment or uh, give us a review give us a five-star review so we can keep climbing those ratings exactly yeah subscribe to the podcast on itunes guys just type in the matchup zone subscribe to it and uh once you subscribe just you know give us a five-star rating 
or what one star like be honest what the fuck like whatever whatever yeah tell us what we suck at you know tell us what give us feedback (laughs) be like oh my god stop talking so like these whatever you think so uh yeah hop on give us some reviews join uh twitter uh mu zone podcast uh instagram matchup zone uh facebook the matchup zone so hop on all these platforms check out our youtube channel the matchup zone and uh you know try to get on there and and give us support uh we are we did talk about merchandise as well we're going to come up with some hats uh, some hats uh send some out to uh you know some fans and things like that i talked to adam ballinger about you know getting some shirt deals and things like that for you guys so we're going to get some merchandise out there we're going to get started get going if you love the podcast uh you know hit us up on those social media accounts follow us so you can be up for the prizes and things like that but other than that john i think we are gonna wrap it up today we are good to go so a big thank you to uh, dj john hunt uh for uh hopping on and uh producing and doing a terrific job as always big thanks to michael siegel uh siegel sports uh, entertainment agency and uh yeah we thank you guys for listening and tuning in every week we can't wait and we'll talk to you guys soon peace out real friends never hearing from me fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me that's why i pick and choose i don't get you confused i got a small circle i'm not with different crews we walk the same path but got on different shoes live in the same building but we got different views i got a couple cars i never get to use don't like my women single i like my chicks and twos